0: Just so you know, I'm barely ready to do this. We'll just keep trying until we get it. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Why Is This So Hard For You? I am still Derek. Still Curtis. Good. Good. Jonathan has uh, evaporated. He's taken this off. He used some of his sick leave or his vacation leave, and he's gone. So we have the artist formerly known as Jonathan or the podcaster known as Jonathan. The the seat this morning is filled by our good friend from Monroe, Louisiana, Jared Ritchie. Welcome, Jared.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is so good
0: to have you. So good to have you. Give us a little one-and-a-half, two-minute teaser on who you are, how we know each other, and just kind of what you do.
1: I'm a musician, choir director. Um, I'm a Southern boy. Yes, you are. found his way up to Wichita ten years ago, (laughs) stayed with you, and have been perpetually staying with you in in, in infrequent trips ever since then. But we share a love of music, and, and so that's what I'm doing here.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. We just, when we knew that, Jared was going to be in town. I was like, "Oh, we got to have you step on the podcast." And why is this so hard to get Jared on? So we're glad that <laughs> you have made the trip over today to do this. Speaking, do this, guys. Ready?
2: I suppose. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, as you all know, see, I, I went southern there for you. For you, I, I, used, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I was getting confused. Yeah, as you know, uh, as as we all know, we like to bring in a, a song each. Um, and uh, everyone's heard this song, and we kind of have done some background listening and some reading and that sort of thing, and so we're ready to um, give some thoughts on the song. Why don't we let our guests start? What do you think, Curtis? That I think right? that'd be great. Okay, great. So let's start with the actual song that uh, that Jared has brought in. I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna roll tape and we'll see what we get here. So without any further ado. Okay, Jared, what do we have here?
1: This is the one and only Guilty Randy Newman
0: Yep Randy Newman We're a long way from You've got a friend in me
1: You got that right
2: (laughs) (laughs) Although he follows The same sort of Chord progression feel
1: Yeah it's still that That uh, bluesy shuffle Dixieland piano Jazz blues cross
2: And I had no
0: Okay, so what's what's lyrically what's going on in this song here? Just what's he? I love the uh, oh. very dissonant. Oh yes. <laughs> verses here. Well, what's going on lyrically in this
1: song? What's he talking about? What's he getting at with the lyrics? Oh, this song is is uh it's amazing. Just the music with the lyrics. He's he's feeling bad. He's he's drunk the music is like just the slosh but steady and even the way he delivers you know his lyric I'm guilty it's kind of staggering in <laughs> and staggering out it's very well done um, and it's in you know it's in what I like to call the, the melancholy blues 12 8 meter yeah you know that typical it's a drunk shuffle <laughs> <laughs> hey that could be an album that could
0: be the drunk shuffle the drunk shufflers And does does Randy Newman deliver anything that he's ever done other than kind of a drunken, kind of sloshy way? I mean, I feel
1: like this is not far from his usual vocal delivery. That's right. I mean, Randy Newman, like Bob Dylan, like Leonard Cohen, the delivery is in the artistry of the lyric and the writing, not in the singing ability that's for sure He's a fantastic pianist absolutely and he's from my part of the world well as a kid he spent his time in New Orleans uh, and then moved back to LA you know he the Newman's are they're like the Kennedy's and the Rockefellers but of music you know his uncles were film composers and Mm. his nephew's a film composer but he's a songwriter and this is one of his best and least known uh, in his early stuff uh, right say.
2: so go ahead curtis he was not the first to record this song
1: that's right he was not he was not
2: it was uh bonnie Raitt. that's right on her 1973 album which the title of it escapes me taken um oh, what is it i i wrote it down i think I it's forgot i to. can't
0: make you love me the prequel is that it <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> right. The, this was the lead up uh, to that the, the long lead up to that <laughs> taking my time 73 album yeah taking my taking time. My time. Bonnie Raitt. yeah and so yeah uh jared told me that last night that when we were talking about this song he said actually you know this is not the original version of it and bonnie Raitt's is and this song comes from an album called good old boys mm-hmm. which um is a concept
1: album right yeah i mean it there's just debate on whether how much it it, it stayed a concept album I mean I think it's definitely a concept album in the sense that there is um, characters in there that um, but it, originally it was an actual particular character that he wrote and, I, and from what I've read he pulled back on that but it's it's a concept album in that it it's part of the south you know it, it touches Louisiana it touches Georgia it touches you know Alabama It's it's Randy's speaking to you know he could get away with this stuff because he would just say you know it's not me right i'm I'm writing a character
0: yeah plausible deniability exactly yeah and it was 1974 so yeah could get away with it then too
2: well my understanding is that he well in the songs he's kind of going after the racial elements that existed in the south yet also the hypocrisy from the north it was it was not just putting the south on blast
1: yeah he's an equal opportunity abuser (laughs) yeah seems like it
2: and there's all the typical snark of randy newman um
1: yeah he he's really i mean the genius of newman as i said is his writing but as a louisiana guy i mean you can hear the chords of new orleans you can hear the blues of new orleans come out you can hear the shuffles you he he gives some barbs at you know lsu you know my my home state university you know on one of the other tracks on this album i mean this album i I think when it was released it was released this song with a single um i think in naked man was the other when it was released in a a combo there but this is just a great album i mean this song is not going to be as as politically um sharp and as crass as you know uh, rednecks that's probably what most people would know from that album yep. i love marie off this album you know it's got some great players on the album Right? yeah
0: that in fact i was just looking at that glenn fry don henley and
2: bernie
1: mm-hmm. Leadon. so we've got mm-hmm. three sixths or three fifths of the eagles right. here that's that was right. on
2: one song i think
1: yeah uh oh Oh, I know Ry Cooder played with him on one song, but yeah. maybe yeah, they sing backup vocals, maybe on a few. So maybe you've heard of Gladys Knight and the Pips. It's you know Randy Newman and the Eagles. <laughs> Perfect. And then
0: the thing I that blew Which, me away. This album got to 36 on the Billboard 200.
1: Wow.
2: Okay.
0: So it went to yeah. number. That's respectable. That's
2: the the thing that's funny about him singing with the Eagles is what perfectionists they were with their vocals. And he is not. He
0: is not, yeah.
2: Actually, I think the, probably the most well-known song on that album is the next cut. Um, what is it, Louisiana 1927?
1: Yes, yeah, 1927, about a flood there. That,
2: that's been used, especially after Katrina. That song Absolutely. was played in a lot of mm-hmm. video montages. and
1: Yeah, that song, like this song, Randy Newman is a master of, of accompaniment that... That has a use of sixes and thirds. I mean, Louisiana, nineteen twenty-seven, is no exception. Just a beautiful, uh, and then he's got these cluster chords that just he kind of accompanies his own voice. His accompaniment really just mimics his own voice. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Uh, i guess in this song you know in in guilty is probably the most accompaniment i would say that varies from what he's actually singing and i think he's doing that because he's it's supposed to show this just he's drunk and he's resigned that he's a bum and and he's i'm not going to be any better but most of newman's stuff is just exquisite he's a master of not putting too much in the accompaniment Mm -hmm. and and whether it's marie or whether it's louisiana 1927 or, or some of the other tracks on this album uh, i i don't i got to hear him live in concert one time in louisiana i mean in lafayette around the spots where that evangeline parish where 1927 would be you know themed that flood and i was just he was just him in the piano and oh was, wow I have, I have a listing of all the, the songs that he took and he played a good many of the songs off of this album um including a wedding a wedding in cherokee county and oh it was just exquisite i remember as a college student my uncle and i just mesmerized by that that's great
2: well you asked me if i'm a big randy newman fan that's right i am a randy newman fan but he is a rabbit hole artist for me (laughs) i'll go several months without listening to any of his stuff and then so so you know you've started me on a rabbit hole now here i'm gonna go back (laughs) through his catalog and listen to a bunch of stuff um but yeah And I do have some songs from Randy Newman on my list for future.
1: Okay, good. Oh, that's nice. Just no burn to a crisp Newman. Yeah, no (laughs) burn. Uh,
2: Yeah, like, (laughs) what would be the closest to a burnt to a crisp Randy Newman song that doesn't have to do with a film soundtrack?
1: Maybe Short People or I Love L.A. Those Those are the only two. I would go with uh, I Love L.A. before Short People. Yeah,
0: that's the only song that's got any sort of...
2: Yeah, I would sustained say airplay. probably because, again, it had a video on MTV.
0: Right. And Toto was part of it. So yes. They were the backup band.
2: <laughs> and uh, I'm still amazed that some people don't get the point of short people. Yeah. They think it's a mean song. <laughs> Pay attention, folks. Yeah,
1: you're just saying that because you're tall, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us short people are really highly triggered. Yeah, okay. So we said the Eagles were on this album, but we didn't say somebody else uh you know of note on not on this uh, track but Ry cooter playing yes. guitar I'm back of my feet again back of my feet which is a wonderful wonderful song too <laughs> um something that you know the whole album i, I we just painted our living room and resheet rocked it and i listened to this whole album uh, two months ago i mean there's nothing like painting um the ceiling uh, priming and painting with a roller above head and listening to Randy Newman. And <laughs> finally, I had to put the earbuds in so that, because the boys, I mean, some of these songs are like, you know, preschool toys, but politically charged words, you know, for dad. What does that word mean? Um, would you go grab some water for me, real quick? <laughs> I'm really parched.
0: <laughs> go do your, don't you have some homework to do or something? <laughs> exactly.
1: It's Saturday. Find something to do. Yeah, let's
0: go outside. Yeah, that's great. All right, Curtis. All right. Oh, boy oh boy time to spend the next eight minutes of our lives here here we go hopefully
2: this is a title track from gina Venelli's sixth studio album the album only had one hit
0: i just want to stop
2: i just want to stop and it had two minor hits
0: okay this was not a minor hit no
2: the Wheels of Life and The River Must Flow, which really was only a minor hit in Canada. He's a Canadian right. artist. Um, this was the best-selling album of Gino's career, and it was his last album on a and Records. Okay. Um, even though his name's on the album, the band really is the, the star of this song.
0: So give us the band.
2: Um, Gino on lead vocals and synth. Joe Vanelli, his brother, on electric piano and synths.
0: Joe Vanelli shows up on almost every Gino album, doesn't up he? Until
2: a, up until, up into a point. Right, okay. And then a young guitarist named Carlos Rios. Yep. Jimmy Hayslip on bass, who, of course, I've got a list of who he's played with. Mark Craney on drums, which is, um... His probably his most famous band that he played with was Jethro Tull. Really? Yeah.
0: So, Jethro Tull had a very established drummer as Bar- uh, Barrymore Barlow. He
2: toured but- with them.
0: Oh, is a touring guy? Okay, yeah. got it. Okay.
2: Um, Manolo Bandero, Bandera on percussion. Victor Feldman on vibes. Of
0: course, yes.
2: Um. Other places, not on this song, there's no tenor sax on this song, but Ernie Watts plays tenor on songs. Oh, of course. <clears throat> then backing vocals were Stephanie Sproul, Roger Waters, not that one. Yeah,
0: not that Pink Floyd, Roger, Roger um, Waters.
2: Davio Waters. And then somebody is credited as Rossi Vanelloni. He has a brother who's Ross Vanelli. And, and he's credited
0: as what? Rossio?
2: Rossi? Rossi? Rossi. Vanelloni. Right. So Somebody's I'm, pulling a prank. I, I'm guessing that's so. Ross Vanelli. Yeah. And <coughs> Gino, Ross, and Joe produced and arranged everything. Got it. it. Um, this was Carlos Rio's first notable album credit.
0: Oh, and it's a—it's one of the great solos of the 1970s. Yes. The guitar solos.
2: And he played, started playing professionally when he was in high school, and he had a tutor. By the name of uh, somebody named Larry Carlton.
0: Oh, I've never heard of him. Was his guitar tutor. Completely don't know Mm -hmm. anything about him. I
2: couldn't really make sense. Here's the guitar solo that you're talking about. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. This This is is a kid. Yeah. So famous. It's just...
2: Yeah, and then coming up here, he does a little run here that is...
0: The part that you like. Very much out of the Larry Carlton school. Yeah.
2: So anyway, I'm, I was looking on his wiki page, which there is hard. There's hardly anything on uh, Rios uh-huh. on the internet, and I'm going to try to piece together what this story sounded like to me because I think it was written by the person who was the subject of the guilty song. I think they <laughs> may have been a little. It sounded like to me Carlos had had gotten a call from a friend who was asking if he wanted to come over and play a Gino record. Like, listen to this. And his mom, Carlos' mom, confused it to, do you want to play on a Gino record? At the same time, Gino was looking for a new young guitarist to put on this album. And, again, this is me filling in gaps. It seems as though Carlos went to audition and ended up. Because his friend said, do you want to come listen to a Gino record?
0: And the mom confused it.
2: The mom confused it, so he went and auditioned, and he ends up. Wow. Now, I could be be off base because I'm filling in gaps of what this story was. So I may have created an urban legend that five people will
1: Yeah, that's where you could... You could steal one from Micro and say, That's the way I heard it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's what Micro would say. Here comes Jimmy Hasslip's yep. bass solos. And the drummer, forgot his name, Mark Craney. Now, this song is almost seven and a half minutes long, so when I worked in radio, we called these bathroom songs. <laughs> so we could put put the song on and get down there and run to the bathroom real quick and get back before the song ended and a bunch of dead air was going on. Yeah. So you yeah. have to play your bathroom song.
2: Jimmy Hayslip, of course, was one of the founding members of the Yellow Jackets. He also played with Tommy Bolin, um, Eric Lorber, Eric Marienthal, Bruce Hornsby, yep. Rita Coolidge, Eugenio Vanelli, Kiss, Tommy Bolin, Alan Holdsworth yep um the list goes on Donald Fagan he played with him yep. uh, Anita Baker wow and then Mark Craney uh, also played with Tommy Bolin he played with John Luc Ponty.
0: oh wow really yeah
2: and then it, on two albums he played with
0: Have to be early Ponte albums
2: <clears throat> well how early were Ponte's albums because this was Seven... 76 and this was his first
0: oh okay so okay so later then yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that would have been.
2: <laughs> and then of course also I said mention he played with Jethro Tull and Eric Burden. Okay. So, got it. Now, lyrically this song is there's nothing to talk about. This is just the brotherhood of man, love one another, be good. You yeah. know, it's it's <laughs> there's no clever turn of phrase anywhere in here. It's just uh But that's not what for me it could be singing about, you know
0: call call us for your home repair.
2: Yeah. <laughs> call
1: singing from the phone book. Yeah. 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 I love the the vocal techni- technical stuff here and also love how the the beat is obscured, you know, in the sense that it's it's not just cookie cutter rhythm section. It just feels like it's cascading forward the the driving sound of it all. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I I this is not as familiar to me Curtis, but I I like it. I love the falsetto highs. I love the the way it's just—I appreciate something that's out of the mold. You know, that just feel like every other song.
0: And Gino had hits. I mean, he had legit hits. Of course, I just want to stop. Was a hit. What was the other Gino Vanelli hit?
2: Uh, Living inside myself. Living
0: inside myself. That's right. That's
2: right. So those were the two hits. And his hits were almost always ballads. Yeah. And
0: how old is Gino now?
2: Um, mid 70s. And
0: still singing. He
2: sounds like this now.
0: Because he has cared for his voice. He's regularly had a teacher and so he regularly cares for his voice. He's very well from what I understand, very meticulous with his instrument. So he yes. really it's he realizes it's his livelihood, it's his meal ticket and he takes care of his voice. So he still sings these songs in these original keys. Do you
2: know the story of how he got his break? I don't. He and Ross were Oh, Rossi? I'm sorry, not Ross. Uh, Joe. <laughs> okay. Joe, I've got Ross on the head because of Rossi, Rossi, they were sharing an apartment, trying to play music, couldn't get a break anywhere. And so, and of course at that time, everybody would send demos, couldn't get any response anywhere. So he stalked Herb Alpert outside the A&M studios, sat there for hours in his car and then saw him come out of the office ran past the security guard and stopped him and said please listen to this accosted herb alpert how about that wow and you know despite how the security guard was you know probably quite <laughs> upset
0: out. yeah he said herb the first thing he said was herb i love the way you play your trumpet out of tune on rise <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it was well, would you please listen to this yeah.
2: and that and he did listen to it, and he got a record contract wow. out of it. So. Wow! So
0: the takeaway from that is always try to run past security guards to get at high bigwig. Right. Uh, that's always a good okay. Idea. That's a, that's a good thing. That's that's a good mo. Okay. So that's brother to brother. Thanks for br- I I knew you would bring that one in. So I was like, that's a matter of time before he brings in some Gino O'Venelli. So, okay, I guess it's my turn. So um, let's let's pull it up here and see what we got. Well speaking of Donald Fagan, this is the fourth track from The Nightfly, 1982. Um, This is Maxine, my favorite song off of what I consider to be the perfect pop album. This if if someone will say what's your idea of the perfect pop album, it's The Nightfly. And it's also one of those albums that I know every cymbal hit, I know every guitar lick, I know every bass run, I know every saxophone solo, including the tenor solo by Michael Brecker here, which we'll hear in a minute. This album is as much in my DNA as any album. I have listened to this hundreds and hundreds of times. And this is my favorite song off of this album. Um, it's a very Fagan lyric like I was Jared earlier, it's a very Holden Caulfield, Catcher in the right sort of, um, um, Holden Caulfield, uh, vocal in that he really wants to bust out and do things that the man or the adults aren't letting him do. So it's a very 50s, and that's the whole thing of the album, it's a very 50s, um, bomb shelters, Red Scare, everything, um. His high school sweetheart looks like Tuesday Weld. Um, so it's a very fifties album. Um, and so this is... This is kind of the apotheosis of that of, of that feeling. Um, real quick, I'll name who's on here. We've got a, a brass section of uh, on alto. Dave Tefani, uh Ronnie Kubers on Barry Sachs. Marcus Miller on bass. Ed Green is on drums, Uh, electric piano, organ, vocals, Donald Fagan, in fact all the vocals here are Fagan. All those thick jazz harmonies are Donald, that's it, there's no other singers on here. Euphonium is Dave Bargeron, uh, Flugelhorn Randy Brecker, Uh, guitar Larry Carlton, Greg Fillingains is on piano, and just in time to hear uh, Michael Brecker, the late great Michael Brecker's tenor solo which begins right here. So that's that's Michael. This album had three singles, Ruby Baby, uh, New Frontier and IGY, What a Beautiful World. Um, the only other thing I'll say about this before I turn it over to you guys is Amy Nolte. She's kind of an online jazz educator on YouTube. This is her favorite Donald Fagan song. And so she's done a pretty deep dive into the chordal structure of this. And it's fascinating. So if you look up Amy Nolte, A-M-I-E-E, Nolte, N-O-L-T-E, um, Donald Fagan, you'll find the
1: video. So. I'm just struck by it. You'd be almost, you could almost do one of these episodes, you guys, where everybody has to be connected. Forget six degrees of separation. <laughs> it's like you said... Fagan on yours. Let's see, and and maybe Randy. Is there any connection with Randy? And that would be like, you know, something uh, crazy. There probably is. I'm just not thinking hard enough. Wouldn't that be something if you had to set your three with, with the artist that is always known as Jonathan? If he's back here, if you all set your episodes that way, where everybody has to be connected, you have to trace the connection. That would require forethought. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure we're wired that way. I don't have that. I do love the harmonies though. Back at the, uh, I think that's great. Uh, this is also I'm, I'm not as familiar as, so this is going to be you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's a jazz harmony for sure. And there's something about harmonizing with yourself that feels artificial, but but it's kind of mesmerizing yeah you know that's a great way to put it that's yeah you know you you, when most time when you harmonize it's somebody else's voice and their voice color and it's different but when it's your own voice it just kind of you can't this is mesmerizing it's weird better word yeah
0: and of course as as is my case i always pull stuff something i've got the hard copy so my cd copy my very well-worn copy of the nightfly right there
2: my album copy of that was very well worn yes it
0: was yes
1: it and, was i'm feeling very small compared to you two guys yeah. album cd here
2: yeah. <laughs> i uh, just saw an, an interview with steve lukather uh, rick beato just posted an interview of his uh-huh. and he mentioned nightfly as steve lukather said this is one of his desert island yeah, albums
0: absolutely me too my last thing i'll say about maxine Back in the day, I bought Brian Sweet's kind of um, autobiography of Steely Dan. It's called Steely Dan. And from that, Brian Sweet writes about the Nightfly. And he says, during the recording of one song, Ed Green played drums on a track which Fagin didn't think was working. But he loved Green's drum track so much that he took the tape away and eventually came back with a new song and lyrics, Maxine, totally rewritten around the old song's drum track. So he loved Ed Green's drum performance, and that's all he kept from that old song, and wrote Maxine around the drum track. Hmm. And this is 1982, so this is pre-DAW, this is pre-Logic, Pro Tools, anything like that. Even with his limited experience at that stage, uh, Daniel Lazarus was amazed by the dedication which Fagan put into rewriting that song. Maxine dealt with an extremely idealized version of high school romance the ordeals of growing up in the remote suburbs and seeking any form of escape, be it through fantasy or love. Fagan said that he was a crooner. Um, I think that basically, that's basically the way my voice sounds over lots of changes and confirmed um, that the rich chordal backdrop of both Maxine and Ruby baby were takes on typical four and five part harmony of the period. So that's kind of an interesting little tidbit that, They were working on a song. song wasn't working, but, man, I really love that drum track. So I'm going to keep that, and then I'm going to completely just put something together around that drum track. So that's kind of the genesis of Maxine. So I know this is probably one of your Desert Island discs too, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. That's what I thought. This is one of those that when Curtis and I were getting to know each other, we were like, oh, yeah, we love Donald Fagan and Steely Dan and – so that yeah, was
2: yeah. Again, I, I, I'm like you. I know every cymbal hit and yeah. Every, you know, every chord change yep. that happens on that album. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it's time. I can't believe it's here. Um, it's time for um, our "Burn to a Crisp" segment. Now, I gave you a little. I gave you both a little bit of a tease that this is an. This is not an artist that i can't stand doing a song i can't stand this is an artist i really like so it's my turn to bring it in today so you guys have no idea what's coming this is an artist that i really like and i know you really like i'm pretty sure jared would like too but i know curtis and i really like this artist however we're not here to listen to the songs that we really like by this guy
2: not at this point in the uh...
0: no Well, in this segment right here, we're here to listen to something that is charred to a crisp. Yep. So, without further ado, I give you this.
1: Do we know? Oh, yes. We know. Do we know? Yes. Now it's done.
2: I don't like this whole era of... well. This whole genre of his music
0: This is Kenny Loggins with the title track From the Footloose Thing Yeah
2: I wasn't a big fan of his uh, soundtrack stuff
0: Me neither I don't like the song on Top Gun Playing with the boys
2: I liked the Caddyshack stuff But Yeah You know I'm alright Was alright
0: it's, it's got an energy to it that
1: But this we're... is Right We yeah. can't go to a wedding without the line dancing to this This is in my part of the world This is what they do Whenever they play this at a wedding It's so that everybody can get out and line dance to this right here Yep Yep Check please, Check, please. Yeah
2: And frankly this isn't as, isn't as bad As danger zone for me Right But yeah, this was just killed.
0: So when this came out, um, 85-ish probably. I showed so little interest in the song, I didn't even look up the exact year when it was. But it's gotta be 84, 85, somewhere around in there. Whenever the movie came out. I remember my best friend in, in high school This is when the song was current on the radio. Having a conversation with me and saying, I am so sick of this song. And saying, it's probably the case that at any minute of any day, some station in the US is playing Footloose. And so we were, it was burned to a crisp within two months of being out. For me, for my generation. And now, of course, there's a musical for Footloose. This generation's picked it up, and it's one of that handful of songs that, quote-unquote, kids these days get off my lawn, uh, love. Whether it's Don't Stop Believing," Footloose, Take On Me, The Final Countdown. Africa. Africa, yeah. Yeah, so... Now, I do think uh, Nathan East plays bass on this, so
1: it does have some players. I'm
2: sure he's got players on it, because he always did.
1: Yeah. What What do you do? You think? I'm seeing that they say he's the king of the movie soundtrack. Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, he certainly was in uh, a certain slice of the 80s. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know that I would... I mean, that could still be pejorative. you know. Yeah, uh, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the movies you show yeah. up on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, he yeah, had Meet Me Halfway, which was on...
1: Oh, a sliced loan. Yeah,
2: I don't know. There's this some one.
1: Loggins and Messina stuff that I like. Oh yeah, and I just can't remember the new tracks off. And this
2: out. is kind of a throwback to the feel of Mama Don't Dance of huh, Loggins and Messina. It's kind of mm. got that same.
0: Don't you dare try to make me like this. <laughs> uh,
2: but if you go Burn back and listen to that song, it's got the same up tempo. Rhythmically, it's very similar, and this yeah. is the part. I hate this part. Oh. I, I,
1: I couldn't help but think when you said that somewhere in America this song is playing at any given time. It reminds me of um, what was it, uh, a Prairie Home Companion, and uh, Garrison Keeler would say in one of his bits, at some point at any time in America, someone is committing the crime of Shenandoah. The song Shenandoah. <laughs> so you could make it a verb. Someone is committing footloose at some point Yes. at, at any time in America.
0: That is so true. That is so true.
2: I honestly think for you this one is more burnt because in 85 um
0: you were jazz
1: snobbing at that time. I point. was
2: jazz snobbing at that time. I was newly married. I wasn't as
1: Oh yeah. Um another verb jazz snobbing. Yes,
0: you were jazz I, snobbing.
2: I, I was not top 40 radio listening right at that point. So I just didn't like the song.
0: Yeah. I was a senior in high school, junior, senior in high school, whenever this came out. So I was still in diapers. You were. Um, Jared's considerably younger than us.
2: I'm going to say this was probably after um, the High Adventure album.
0: Uh, I believe that's right. And High Adventure had that do it with Steve Perry, Don't yes. Fight It, which is great. I like that mm-hmm. one. Um but but, and
2: and if you listen to that song it's almost a precursor to what he did here and in what way just Just, in the feel yeah the the tempo the feel yeah which was a little more upbeat than what he had done on previous albums
0: now I haven't looked into this at all so I probably shouldn't even bring it up since I haven't looked into it but when the new Top Gun movie came out a year or two ago that whatever that Top Gun did they get kenny loggins back to do a new song or
2: i watched it but i don't recall okay
0: because i think he had danger zone on there he had playing with the boys footloose was a hit meet me halfway it seems like he had a couple of other oh don't or uh i'm all right was on caddyshack right and didn't he have a song on caddyshack 2
2: the movie caddyshack 2 did he have it did loggins have a song on that i don't know that was one of the worst movies ever made okay
1: well, there you go. Um, there's so, your movie burned to a crisp. Yeah, bro. there's
2: your movie. It wasn't burnt to a crisp. Nobody saw it. it oh, there you go. It came it, out. If of the he wrote and... a song on that, that's the best part of the movie. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. It doesn't matter how bad or good the song was. Yeah.
0: And if anybody should know, it's you because you are my go-to on Caddyshack references.
2: On the first one. Young, you yeah. Know. And they pulled a couple songs off of in the original caddyshack movie they pulled a couple songs from his keep the fire album and laid that in. Oh, they uh, used that as part of the soundtrack too. know that
0: okay so there's your that's kind of why kenny's mr soundtrack in the 80s so well there you go that's yeah so to a crisp footloose boy it's uh it's a uh, it's something i don't know what it is but they committed footloose it committed footloose that's <laughs> right well that's going to about wrap it up for our episode this week Jared, it's been great having you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Safe travels back to Louisiana, and we'll welcome Jonathan back to the seat next time. AI Jonathan,
1: or real Jonathan, we'll, we'll figure that out. i still never seen this guy. I don't know if he exists. I don't
0: know. Well, I, I'll, I'll vouch for him. Curtis, maybe? <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. It, it's I'm hard the for him. i artist
1: formerly known as Jonathan. That's right. At least today known as Jonathan. <laughs> That's, That's right. Next week, not known. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, we sure appreciate you joining in. As as we always say, go out and buy actual music. Uh, go out and buy. Get. Why is this so hard for you to get off streaming? Get off streaming. Actually, buy some music. I always say buy physical music, but at least buy some files or something. But there you go. Buy some music. Why is this so hard for you? So, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.